How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Providing you sunshine on a rainy day on this lovely Saturday. Well, it's lovely right here at the Borgata Hotel and Casino. I am Rob Ellis. In for Howard Eskin. You know where Howard is, right? He, he's royalty, or, or so I'm told by Howard. He's royalty, so he's in London. It, it would only fit, right? The King is in London with the Eagles as they prepare for a game, which, by the way, is a mere Dave Breitmeyer on site with me here at the Borgata, Phil Jackson in the studio, is a mere 25 and a half hours away from kickoff. You can't often say that during this day part right here, can you, Dave? You are correct. Thanks for the support, Dave. Thanks. Keep it down over there. All right, so the Eagles playing in London. And, you know, really, if you think about it, and we use this term, we throw it around very, very loosely in sports and sports radio often, but... This is a must-win for this team. And if you think otherwise, your head's so jammed in the sand, you're kidding yourself. You're still reveling in, uh, in, in the Super Bowl last year, but it's a must-win for this Eagles team, that's for sure. Um, boy, there's a lot to get to with the Eagles. There's a lot to get to with the Sixers. And how about on top of everything else, we had a baseball game, a World Series Game 3 that just ended four and a half hours ago. I am not kidding you. 18 innings of baseball between the Red Sox and the Dodgers, ends with a walk-off home run. Max Muncy in the 18th, Dodgers win it 3-2. They cut the World Series lead now to two games to one against Boston. But, yes, it did end at 3.30. And if anybody is listening right now who saw live that walk-off home run, first off, I would love to hear from you because you are a trooper. I tried to stay up. I knew I had no chance. The TV was on. I just zotzed out, man. I was absolutely done. I had to get up a little bit earlier today to get down here to the Borgata. So I figured, you know what? I'll be honest. That's a total lie, by the way. Even if I didn't have to get up to go to the Borgata, I wouldn't have made it anyway. I was struggling in the eighth inning. I probably lost it around the 10th, but I certainly didn't make it to the 18th. Full candor on this show. But if anybody was watching that live at 3.30 a.m., I would love to hear from you, man. Just unbelievable. I'll get into that game a little bit more later. Manny Machado is an absolute dog, an absolute bow-wow on a lot of levels. He's a great player, but he's a mutt, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we need to start with the Eagles here. And by the way, Howard's going to be joining us at 8.30 from London. At 9.40, we will have Mark Lawrence to give us his usual college and pro picks, including the Eagles. So we'll see what, uh, what Mark thinks of that game, this, this must-win game, and it is, right? So oftentimes, we'll, get, we'll go into hyperbole, and blow things in out of proportion for what's really going on with certain teams. But you think about this for a minute. The Eagles sit here right now at 3-4. and four, And I still don't think the division's all that great. 
But you don't want to keep digging holes with the Redskins. The Redskins are playing the Giants. Redskins are going to win again. And if the Eagles lose again, that's five losses going into the bye. You're at the midway point, and you have five losses. And think about this. You're going to have at least two more losses that are, in my opinion, pretty much a given at New Orleans and at the Rams. That's not to mention the division, which you're really going to get into the heart of, and a lot of other games that are not easy. If they lose this game, I will flat out tell you, this season is kaput as far as the playoffs go. It's over. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 in your AT&T and Verizon cell. And look, if you disagree with that, I would love to hear the rationale other than, hey, anybody has a chance. There's still eight more games to play. I need some legit rationale if you disagree, if this is a loss that the Eagles season, at least the playoff hopes, are done. And, you know, the, the, the branches off of this loss and what could be a season where you don't get to the playoffs is it could mean the end of, a, of an era for a, a lot of stalwart type of players. I think we can all see that this is the end of the road for Jason Peters. I, I, he's not the same player, and he just can't stay healthy. It's one thing after another. We still haven't seen Darren Sproles from what was – a strained hamstring. Since week one, we haven't seen him. This could very well be the end for Brandon Graham on top of it. I mean, and that's just to name a few. So while this team looks a little bit different this year than it did from last year's Super Bowl team, you start losing core players, one's a future Hall of Famer and Jason Peters. And that's just the nature of the NFL. It's the nature of sports to an extent, but... You know, the beloved 2017 team is going to look a lot different in 19, especially if this team doesn't make the postseason. That said, I think they win tomorrow, and I still think they make the playoffs. Now, part of that is because they don't play in a great division. But I'm also not lulled into that false sense of security where I say, well, the NFC East stinks, therefore the Eagles are going to be fine. I I mentioned this a couple times in my previous shows earlier in the week and last week. But we all, a lot of people in this city did the same thing with the Phillies, where they said, well, the Braves aren't that good. The NL East isn't that good. The Phillies are going to make the playoffs no problem. And we know how that turned out. Now, the Eagles have a different pedigree than the Phillies. The Phillies, that group at least, hadn't accomplished anything. This one had won a Super Bowl. And I think that's what the difference is. This team has been there, done that in the most clutch of spots with the core of this group. That's why I think last week will be a rock-bottom moment. You don't lose a game like that in that manner where you're cruising, and let's be honest, and I include myself in this, we all thought that game was over. The problem is we can feel that way. You and I and the guy down the street, the media, your buddies, we can all think a game's over. Once a player or a team starts to do that, they're screwed. And they got screwed last week in a big way. And that game, to me, if that doesn't send you into rock-bottom territory, you are done. You have completely checked out, and you are on a Super Bowl glide if that game doesn't get to you. But I will tell you, concerning, worrisome, whatever, the way that Doug Peterson has handled this week, I mean, the comments after the game with the pressure's off now, what does that say about your guys? They couldn't handle the pressure? Is that what it tells you? 
and then he goes into defensive Doug mode with the, you know, you're not studying 18 hours of film like we are. These are the kind of things as well, and I thought Doug hit every single right note last year. I, every one of them. He nailed. But you start hearing things like that, and you're saying to yourself, has it gotten to him too? Like, is it maybe that the players were sniffing themselves a little bit and you're not getting max effort? Maybe that's their end of it. But Doug's end of it, maybe it's a little overwhelming for him. Not having gone through this as a coach, I know he went through it as a player, but that's different as a backup quarterback than the head man. Now, I do wonder about that. I mean, just the way that he's handled himself this past week, and, and, and there's been a lot of curious play calling, the way that things have just in general gone this year, you know, makes you wonder. And I'll get back to something I said before the season started, not saying it right now. In addition to the to the players and some of the injuries, certainly, which have to be taken into account because they have been big, and Eagles were able to overcome those that last year, but I think this year it's catching up to them. The losses of Frank Reich and John Filippo. At least right now, and this could be righted, you know, in the second half of the season, really loom large. And it really looks like Doug misses that voice, whether it's preparing for the game or whether it's in-game. I think he misses those voices. That's a bigger deal than any Patrick Robinson or Bo Allen or Vinnie Curry or LeGarrette Blunt that they lost. Losing those two minds is a much bigger effect than the other issues. That's for sure. So it's going to be heavy Eagles today. Certainly, we will do some Sixers. The thing I want to touch on the Sixers, and they play tonight, and they're coming off two straight losses to Detroit and Milwaukee in games that were extremely frustrating, one of them without Ben Simmons. But I'm trying to figure out exactly what the plan is for Markel Fultz and the way that Brett Brown in the front office is handling this. Because you're going to take the, the lengths and the measures to start him over J.J. Redick. Okay, that's fine. I understood it. I was on board with it. I get it. You want to try to prop up his confidence and get him going. Understood. But the way that he's been handled in the second half with the lack of playing time, and he got more playing time certainly in the last game in Detroit than he did in Milwaukee. Understood. Or, the, excuse me, Milwaukee than he did in Detroit. But I don't understand how he's not in there in crunch time. Now, I know Brett is to a point now where it's not just build up, build up, build up. He's coaching to win games. I get it. But if you're going to go to the lengths of starting him when clearly he isn't worthy of starting over J.J. Redick, you have to play him quality minutes in the second half. And I think the coach is coming up small when it comes to the handling of, of Markel Fultz. I don't know yet what's going to happen with Markel Fultz. I have my doubts, but it's way way, way too premature to write him off. There are times I don't like the body language. There are still clearly times where he's not willing to pull the trigger. But you also still see little flashes. And I understand they're little flashes. But there's a lot more, to me, to be gained by playing him in the second half in crunch time than there is having him ride the pine at least early in the year. It's different if it's the end of the season and you're battling for seeding and all those kind of things. But basically, there, there's, a, there's a lot of things you're trying, to, you know, you're trying to decipher here with him, and let's find out if he's, got the, if he's got the stones to take a big shot in a big moment late in games. 
So that, that's my biggest issue. The other thing that concerns me team-wise is, do they have enough offensive firepower in general? You know, people scoff at losing Ilyasova and Bellinelli because they're limited, and clearly Bellinelli's incredibly limited defensively, no doubt. But the issue isn't so much them. It's what did you do to replace them? You know, maybe Mike Mescala becomes that, that Ilyasova type. I don't know. But they didn't do a good enough job getting enough offense off of the bench. Yes, Reddick's going to give you, if he's coming off the bench, a lot of offense. But who beyond that is? You're going to get workmen like TJ. When, when Wilson Chandler comes back, he's a very good defender, but he's limited offensively. And there just aren't a lot of great options. Landry, Landry Shamit looks like he's going to be a nice player for them, but he's not there yet. Who's scoring? And I know we sit here and it's only October 27th and you can make a, a move later in the season, trade deadline, and there's still the Jimmy Butler rumors won't go away, which I'm not interested in, by the way. But do they have enough firepower to help Embiid and Simmons and Redick, your main three who are going to score the basketball? Would it help if Dario was playing a little bit better? Certainly. And he's not right now. He's got, if he wants to take his game to the next level, he's got to hit that open three. He knows it. We all know it. And the team needs him to do that. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. All right, we'll get a quick time out here. We come back. We'll open up the phone lines. Tommy, Dave, you guys are first up. Then it's you, 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. As I mentioned, 830, Howard Eskin checks in from London. He's coming on after this break. All right, we are audibling. We will hear from the king in England. Not that king, but we will hear from Howard Eskin when we get back, get an update. Because this has been interesting, the approach the Eagles have taken in terms of the timing of doing everything. So we'll hear from Howard, your phone calls. We'll talk Eagles. We'll talk Sixers a little later in the show. We'll get into the scariest sports scenarios. I'm Rob Ellis. We're coming to you live from the Borgata Hotel and Casino. WIP Sports Time is 8-14. 8 Welcome back, everybody, to the Borgata Race and Sportsbook. By the way, opens at 11 a.m. Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Pretty soon, about 40 minutes, Saturday and Sunday. But they will be opening 8 o'clock. Keep this in mind. This is an important note. They will be opening at 8 a.m., tomorrow so you can place your bets on the eagles before that 9 30 kickoff so keep that in mind eight o'clock tomorrow dave dave breitmeyer is just going to stay here already the countdown is on that's for sure welcome back everybody i am rob ellis sitting in for the man himself now this does finally make some sense the self-appointed king is in london could there be a coup we need to check in with our own howard eskin to find out what's going over there on over there in london Genius, what's going on? Hey, just let's make this clear. I was not self-appointed. LeBron James self-appointed himself. <laughs> so there's Elvis is the king, and I am the king, okay. and not self-appointed. But uh, the king, the queen gets a chance to meet the king. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I came over to London. I, and I knew that would get you going. I, had, I know it's what time is it over there, Howard, about 1.30 in the afternoon. I had to get, you, get your yeah. juices flowing a little bit. So, look, first off, you've been over there now for, you know, a day plus. Give me the the life of Howard over in in London. What have you done? The sights, the sounds? Well, as soon as I got in, it was a I couldn't sleep on the plane. So, right now, by the way, I'm walking to the London Dungeon. Uh, So, hopefully I make it out of there. The London Dungeon? Uh, That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yesterday, rather than go to sleep, when we got in at like to the hotel about eight o'clock in the morning, 
London time. I said, I can't go to sleep, although I was tired. I went to Buckingham Palace. Uh, the Queen was in because there's a flag, Union Jack flag was at full staff, which means the Queen was in. But better yet, I became friendly with a police officer at the, uh, uh, at the palace, and he told me, keep your eyes open for the two cars that are, will be coming in very shortly. And sure enough, and I actually put it on, I really put, I put it on Twitter. I videoed it and put it on Twitter. It got like 12,000 views. It's crazy. In the car, second car, was Prince Harry. So Really? So I was within, yeah, I was within 10 feet of Prince Harry. You sure it wasn't Carson? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I made sure. Okay. And then uh, the police told me, I said, what's he doing here? He came to take the helicopter. They have a helipad there. So sure enough, 10 minutes later, uh, I took a shot of him taking off in the helicopter. Uh, is he going to uh, go into the game, Howard? Do you know? I, I, you know what? They've, been, they've had quite a few games here. I, actually, I don't know, but I think because of everything else, there's probably no need for him to go to the game. I don't know if he's even a football fan. So, uh, so but, but that's okay. I mean, yeah. he doesn't have to come in. We already got Carson. That's so it. Carson there. He'll fill in for Prince Harry. Well, so Howard, no problem. Walk people through. Did you fly over with the team? Uh, yes. Okay. So the the timing of this, I thought it was interesting the way Doug and the organization wanted to kind of keep things on schedule. So they practice Thursday here, jump on a flight, get over there, essentially land and go practice, right? So just just so for people who don't know the the timing of uh, the sequences here. Well, they actually had some time at the hotel, and I don't know. They urged him to sleep on the plane, which I I'm, I never see the players on the plane anyway. So uh, they urged him to sleep on the plane, which I think most of them did. And there's 45 seats with uh, uh, that have beds. So I think coaches and some of the players, I'm sure Carson was up there too, so he could sleep. Uh, but uh, but I think they slept through most of uh, uh, through most of the flight. So they probably got their sleep. I didn't, but they did. And, and, and so the goal, okay. yeah. So the objective was basically to try to keep them as normal as possible schedule-wise. It'll be, you know, a nine thirty game here, but it's a two thirty kickoff, which isn't crazy, you know, Eastern time or for your time, but right. nine thirty here tomorrow morning. Uh, and and I guess the, the the gist of this thing comes down to Howard. You know, the last thing you want to be is three and five, two straight losses, heading into a bye here. What's your sense of what we're going to get out of this team? Because it's been very hard to predict week to week. I think there's a sense of urgency with this team, and I think we're going to get a good game out of the Eagles. If they don't win tomorrow, let's let's face reality. They don't win tomorrow; it's they're done. Uh, uh, they're done. So uh, they have to win the game. I really believe they, and I really believe they will. Uh, yeah, it, so it, it's a game where you're playing a Jacksonville team that's also playing very bad football that had high expectations last year, and I think. You know, when you, when you sift through all this kind of stuff, and I know people are, are all over Wentz this week, this nonsense that he's not clutch, but when you sift through all of it, when it comes down to it, I, I'll take the Eagles quarterback over that quarterback any day of the week, and that's probably what wins you this game. Oh, yeah. Well, Bortles is on a short lease, so that's the other thing he's got to think about. He knows he was yanked last week. There's no reason that Doug Marone wouldn't yank him this week. So if that's the case, he's got to have that in the back of his mind. If this game comes down to the quarterbacks, I mean, it's ridiculous to think that the Eagles don't have a really, really big advantage in Carson Wentz. 
So uh, I'm, I'm okay with all that. Uh, it's just uh, from that standpoint. But the defense certainly has to create turnovers, which is a problem because they have not created enough turnovers this year. So it's basic football, but you have the better quarterback in Carson Wentz than Blake Gorks. So that's a big part of it. Howard Eskin joining us from London where the Eagles kick off in about 25 hours from right now. Howard, you've never had the opportunity to say that on your show. I, I, I get I get dibs on that one. Yeah, okay, you got it. You got it. I've been over here. First of all, I'm on a double-decker bus right now going to the London Dungeon. Uh, so, what is the London uh, Dungeon? Sample. We need to know what that is. What is it? I guess it's a lot of uh, the torture chambers that we'll see. Uh, a medieval... Joe McPeak, the producer, is with me. The medieval torture chambers. So we'll see how uh, we what we'd like to do to some of the callers. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, now we're going to know when Merrill tosses to you for a sideline report tomorrow. If you're not there, we're going to know what happened. You never made it out of the dungeon. I never made it out of the dungeon. I'm being tortured. Unbelievable. <laughs> Medieval-wise, no, no yeah. waterboarding, just medieval stuff. I, I think there are a lot of people back here in Philadelphia that would, would probably enjoy some, some – you, you might need to live tweet that, Howard, and see what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yes, as I'm being tortured. You're exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> how about from an injury standpoint? I mean, we, we know, like, there's, there's been a lot of guys that are, that are playing in this game that are a little bit banged up. Is there any updates on, on the health perspective of some of these guys? Well, we know that Sproles is out. We know that uh, uh, Sidney Jones is out. I'm just trying to think of uh, Lane's going to play. Uh, Jason Peters is going to play. Those guys will, will will go right, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, they're going to play. They're going to play. I mean, the fact that the fact that he's. I mean, obviously he's a tough guy. He's not playing at his best, but at least he's in there, and that's important. That's important that he's in there. I mean, they just they don't have enough bodies. But look at Jacksonville. They're missing three of their defensive backs. Uh, one of them, I believe, is an All Pro. So. Uh, they have some. Ser- Everybody has injury problems at this time of the year, but Jacksonville has some serious injury problems. And based on the fact that they're missing some of their now, they've got a really good pass rush, but they're missing their defensive backs. Uh, I would think that the Eagles. Uh, let's not get in a run pass ratio because that's ridiculous. Uh, the Eagles should take advantage of the fact that they're missing uh, defensive backs as well. Yeah, Howard, the other thing I wanted to hit you with, obviously Jacksonville has been there, done that you know, with this game, and, and I think Bortles is 3-0 and over there. Is, is there any kind of advantage to the fact that they're so used to this schedule, the terrain, the territory? Do you buy that? You know, I, maybe a little bit, but they, uh, when we arrived at the airport, they arrived right after us. So there were times when they first started this, they used to come out for uh, quite a few days during the week. Uh, nobody does that anymore because you don't have to. So they're on the same time clock as the Eagles, and uh, they've had the same, same sleep patterns as the Eagles. So all that considered, do they have an advantage? Uh, I don't think your body knows the advantage until you get out there and play. Uh, but the team that plays better, I, I, uh, Jacksonville had, in the past has scored points here. I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, is today Saturday? Yeah, yes. okay, tomorrow. <laughs> I lost track of the days. I'm so screwed up with the time. And we, we pick up an hour tonight. Daylight savings time starts here tonight and in the United States next week. Oh, really? So we pick up. Yes. Oh. Yeah, well, we, we only changed it. Remember, the United States changed it, uh, I don't know how many years ago, to uh, do it after Halloween to That's give the right. kids another hour of daylight. So, you know, they don't worry about Halloween over here. Mm. They, their people uh, probably play Halloween year-round. Year well, about where you're going right now could be some Halloween scenes. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I'll send Phil 
a, a message. Right. Uh, if I if I make it out of there, I'll tell people much to their disappointment that I might be okay. <laughs> All right, Howard, give us a score, man. What happens in the game tomorrow? I think the Eagles get 24, and I think Jacksonville has 13. Okay, 24 uh, I'll give you that. All right. Yes. All right, well, listen. Uh, I, I, I with need a two-point to... conversion mixed in. Okay, with a two-point conversion, okay. All right, well, listen. I'd I, I like need... to do that. Now other people are doing it, too. Well, it, it, let me ask you the last thing for you. It's going to be a, a bigger crowd than we're used to with American football so to speak, um, over there. Yep. Anything different from your perspective uh, from the sidelines with the setup? Have you, have you checked out the lay of the land at, at, at Wembley or well, anything like that? No, I haven't, I haven't been over there yet, but football's still 100 yards and two 10-yard end zones. So I think it's going to be the same. I'm curious to see what kind of condition the field is in. Uh, I'll look at that, but uh, it's very sunny. Uh, luckily, knock on wood, we haven't had a lot of rain here, which it did for when the Raiders played over here. They had some rain. Uh, but outside of that, no, it's it, it's football. The broadcast booth that we found out this morning is in the stands with the other media. Oh. So Merrill will make, I'm sure, a very, very big point of that. <laughs> that <laughs> so, that's interesting. That's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Merrill will be in the stands with all the people. And there's a ton of Eagles fans here, obviously. Yeah, a I ton. Can, I can only a imagine. Ton. I've heard some of the flights uh, have been very, very oh, interesting. That's for sure. All yeah. right, Howard. Well, listen, man, we appreciate it. Have fun in the dungeon today, and uh, we're looking forward to tomorrow, 930, your call with Merrill and Mike. Thanks, Howard. All right, Rod. Hey, have a good time at the Borgata. You got Miss it, bro. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, you really. do. Yeah, you're full of it. All right, later, genius. See you. Hey, bye. Uh, you got it. Howard headed to the dungeon. That's kind of fitting. I think we'd all sort of agree. I'm not sure he makes it out. All right? He's on foreign soil. I'm not quite sure he makes it out. So you're going to want to be tuned or check him uh, on Twitter as well. But you want to tune tomorrow to see if he's there when, uh, when Merrill tosses down to him. Let's go to Tommy to kick things off for us. Tommy, you're on 94WIP. What's up, Tom? Hey, good morning, Rob. How are you? Good, brother. How are you? Uh, well, running about an hour and a half late for work this morning because of that baseball game. You stayed up? But, um, I had to. I'm, I'm in a, I, all I care about is baseball. I'm baseball purist. I love the Red Sox. They're my team. I, I Every pitch, I was just hung on the TV last That's night. That's impressive, dude, especially if you had to work today. i got to give it to you. I, I tried. I, I, I give it a valiant effort, but, man, I just could not make it. I really couldn't. I went through a couple extra Red Bulls last night. That's for damn sure. You know, I got a couple extra in me this morning. But, you know, uh, it's it's the World Series. You know, you wouldn't miss a snap during the during a, uh, Eagle Super Bowl if, by chance, something happened and the game started four hours later than expected. Yeah. So, yeah, no question. Know. I mean, but I, but I got to ask you from a Red Sox fan perspective, that's a tough way to go out, man. <laughs> staying up that late. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was disappointing, but uh, I mean, this team's going to win. I, I have no doubt in my mind. Alex Cora is just too good of a coach, and uh, you know, it was just you made some decisions last night, pulling JD early, uh, using the Evaldi that may come back to bite him in the butt. But in the long run, you know, he's got a, four more games to win. Two, it, it's it's done. You know, I mean, Kins- Kinsler makes that play, Tom. You're up 3-0, right? and it's Sweep yeah. City. I mean, that, yeah. really. I, I had no problem with the way he used the Ovaldi. I, th- I thought it was I thought it was, was the right move. It didn't – that isn't why they lost that game. I mean, I thought he no, made the right no. move. No, 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 really, the why they lost the game was, was Kinsler uh, at that point. You know, I mean, really, if you want to point fingers at anything. But, you know, it's uh, hindsight 2020, and we're going to get back at it tonight and – Take it up and take it home another win. All right, brother. Hang in there today, man. All right, you got it. Good for him, man. Stayed up and watched the whole game. I I didn't think we'd have it. We might have another one here. Dave from Prospect Park. What's up, Dave? Hey, 
Hey, Rob, how are you? All right, brother. What's going on? All good, man. Love and love. I'm here at the Borgata, man. Can things get better than this? I hear you, brother. I watched the game last night, too. Whole time, huh? You yep. you were another yep. one. You and you, yep. are you a, are you a Phillies fan? Or are you just a baseball fan? Um, I'm base, baseball fan, Phillies fan. You know, right. same thing. But uh, no, I disagree with that guy, man. I think I think Dodgers are going to take this series. I really do. Do you really? Because, huh? Yeah, I t- I'll tell you why. Because I think Corey last night he he used his bullpen too much, and I think the Dodgers just have a little bit more than enough to take this series. Well, the I issue really I, I agree with he the hook was too quick for Porcello, and this is the issue I have with playoff baseball in the World Series in general. I know you have more options because you, you, some of your starters are in the bullpen and available right. and all that. I get it. But mm-hmm. I just think, especially for an established guy like Porcello, I think mm-hmm. he, I thought he pitched very well. He made one mistake up until that point well, on, on Jock Peterson. I well, would have I written felt, him a little bit further. I, I felt bad for Bueller because he pitched a hell of a game. I mean, oh, he was the kid, great. Seven, the kid went seven strong innings. I mean, next thing you know, and then, then Jansen comes in and gives up the home run and ties it out. I yeah. mean, are you kidding me? Come on. I mean, but I what's, really, what's getting on my nerves is, Rob, i got to be honest, why isn't Utley in this series? Where is he? Why is he on the bench? Because I don't Dave, get it. if you if you watched, man, he he's real. And I look, I love him. We all love him, but he's not the same guy. He's not even close. Well, he's a shell. I get it, but you can still use him as a pinch hitter. You can use him as a pinch runner. Use him something. He, he I mean, but the thing is, the Dodgers are so, and it's worked for them. Obviously, they're they're you know at Game Four of the World Series here, but mm-hmm. they're so married to the philosophy, righty lefty, that kind of thing, interchangeable parts. Yeah, I get it. They play all kinds of positions. At least a second baseman, and that's it. Maybe first and a pinch, but that's well, it. Well, I get it, and and the thing is too, Rob. And here's the thing: I get I, I, the only reason for the Dodgers. A, I don't want Boston to win, and B, Matson and Utley. That's why. Yeah, I got you. I, I, I want to see those two get another one together, and I think that would be a phenomenal thing. Well, the shame of it is, Dave, good stuff, man. Appreciate it. So we've had two in a row who have stayed up for the entire game. It ended at 3.30 last night. If you're just waking up and didn't see what happened, the, the Game 3 of the World Series last night went 18 innings and, and really was allowed to get to that point because Ian Kinsler had an error that would have ended the game for Boston. But they, it goes 18. Max Muncy hits a walk-off. It ended at 3.30 a.m. Eastern time. I mean, just absolutely unbelievable. But I, I do want to point this out, and we'll get back to the phones. There's a point in the game, I believe it was his second at bat, second or third. It was such a long game, everything gets sort of you know, blurry at this point. But Manny Machado is up, and he crushes one to deep left field. It looks like it's borderline whether it's going to be a home run or not. It goes off the wall sharply. I mean, it was, it was a seed. Off the wall, played well by Martinez, who gets it back in to second, but when you take a deeper look at it and you get a replay, the ISO shot of Machado at the plate, after he hits it, he starts to Cadillac. He starts to walk thinking it's going to be a home run on a ball that would have been borderline if he got in there at second. It would have been close, right? But let me ask you, how in God's name do you dog it like that? Do you hot dog it like that when your team is down two games to nothing in a World Series game? If there's ever a moment where you're going to hustle, it's a World Series game, especially if your team is down two games to nothing. I mean, what does that tell you? This entire playoff and World Series, Manny Machado has put such a bad light on himself. Now, I'm not telling you he's not going to get insane money. He still is. That's not the point of this. But the point of it is he's a mutt. He's a great player. He's an incredible talent who's young and got everything in front of him. But I'm telling you, man, this guy's a dog, and he makes no apologies about it. Let's go to Morris in Haddon Field, or Haddon Heights, excuse me. Morris, you're on 94 WIP. Morris. 
Morris is gone, and we go to Mike in Westchester. What's up, Mike? How are you? Hey, buddy. How you been? All right, my man. Hey, Rob. Before I get to uh, the comments, i got to say this. The Phillies farm system shows what a disgrace they are, that they draft Cornelius Randolph instead of Walker Buell. Disgrace. They're, yeah. they're, they're scrapped. There was some risk, though, Mike, attached to him. He had some elbow issues at Vanderbilt. They took a bit of a gamble. Look, it's looking really good right now. The problem with the Phillies minor league system is there aren't guys that are ready to contribute now. They're yep. a little bit further down in this system. But I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, to me, some of the draft picks are just head-scratchers. And there all. are some, sure. Um, that game last night was awesome, Rob. I stayed up watched it. It was incredible. I mean, it was, it was unbe- I mean the twist and turns in that game, that was one of the best baseball games I've ever seen. Oh, I, look, I, I, like I said, I tried, but I couldn't. I tried, no, I but I couldn't. I understand. No, yeah. no, no, no. I, mean, I completely understand. It. But that's why it, it I still just, love baseball. As much as people want to hammer it and talk I about know. the game's too long and, and some of the other I things, I, I, like, it's still, to me, I find it still highly entertaining, the game of baseball. Rob, can you, can you imagine, though, in that game, at one point, you know, Nunez, if, he, if one of those guys got hurt, you'd have to put a pitcher in the outfield or something. It's, it was crazy. It was nuts. I mean, I, I went back, so I'm looking at the highlights, and I'm kind of re- <laughs> reading the game stories and whatnot. It, it was bananas, man. And it, the shame of it is, you know, you wish the game could have started maybe an hour and a half, two hours earlier, but so more people could have seen it to yeah, know all he's the just unbelievable. If the Red Sox pull, win this series, he's the MVP. There's no question he's the MVP. You pitch another, to, to do what he did last night, it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. should, I mean it's a, a, a pretty much a whole baseball game after pitching in those what two games other series. It's unbelievable what he's yeah, done. Gutsy effort, man. No question about it. Um, I mean, and class by Muncy after hitting home run, mentioning what a great effort it was, and yeah. and, and, uh, and the managers as well. They all like, praised both teams. I love it. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. And uh, but I'll say this though, yeah, Machado, that, that's nonsense. I, how do you? dog like that, and, and when you hit a ball off the wall, Rob, I don't get that. Everybody, I don't know, you know, man. I just don't think he gets it. Like I said, his talent no, will, 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 will oversee a lot of this stuff and supersede a lot of this stuff. I get it. No, And I'm not telling you now he's not going to be – he and Harper aren't going to be the two highest paid guys. They are, no question. But, sure. man, there's something about him that really rubs me the wrong way. Really rubs no, me the wrong way. No, I'm with you, bud. Yeah. Hey, you know, this, this, this game, though, Rob, this is not – and I say this – and anybody think it's going to be – Eagles um, going to walk all over this team. It's not, they, they got a wounded animal coming in here in Jacksonville. Yeah. No, uh, look, it's not going to be easy. Jacksonville's desperate, and the Eagles are. Eagles haven't earned anything, in my opinion. They've not played a yeah, complete exactly. game all year, Rob. This comes down to them. They're not good enough for anybody in this city to say, oh, they're going to roll over them. Right. If, you, if you're saying that, you haven't watched them play all year. You're thinking it's last year. It's like the people that think they're all the, the NFC is garbage. They're not going to win the, the fall by default. Really? No. 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 It's not, it's not going to be anywhere near as easy as people think it is. Espe- look, the the, the – the, propensity to collapse late in games that we've mm-hmm. seen in Tennessee and then last week against Carolina yeah. and and just long stretches where either the offense or the defense just disappears no I mean the the honest answer is yep. I, like I think the Eagles are going to win the game but uh, do I think they're going to kill them no I don't we need to see Doug step up as a, as a, as a coach because he hasn't done anything he's done a poor job all year and I'll say he's done a poor job I agree Mike thanks brother Take care, Rob. I'm at 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T. And Verizon Cell must win, absolutely unequivocally must win. If the Eagles don't win this game, they have no shot, repeat, no shot at making the playoffs this season. We'll continue to talk some Eagles as they're in London. They will play tomorrow morning, as well as some Sixers and the handling of Markel Fultz. We get back also, I'll get into the scariest Philadelphia sports scenario 
And that's in honor of what we have coming up this week with Halloween and something I did last night. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. I'm Rob Ellis. We're coming to you from the Borgata Hotel and Casino. WIP Sports Time is 842. Hi, I'm Rob Ellison for Howard Eskin. We just had Howard on in the last segment from London as he prepares for the Eagles and the Jags tomorrow. Hey, I did want to let you know, all right, so if you bet or you just want to place a bet, watch the games at Borgata. Level 1 is a viewing lounge near the poker room with a sports bar-type feel. you got tons of screens, great seating, table games, and a bar in the room. If there's a major sporting event going on, you'll be able to watch it in Level one. You can also watch the game in the B bar or the long bar. All right. So check it out. You got tomorrow's action. You got all the college football kicking off right around noon. And of course, the NFL action. Uh, Mark Lawrence is going to join us coming up at about 940. And there's a, you know, some interesting games on the card tomorrow. Ravens Panthers is one that, that perks interest a little bit. How about Aaron Rodgers being an eight and a half point favor or underdog? For the first time in his career, eight and a half points Packers are getting from the Rams. You also have the Saints and the Vikings, of course, the rematch of that insane divisional round matchup where uh, Stephon Diggs catches that ball. They ended up scoring, and the rest is history. As we well know, as Eagles fans, Minnesota ends up coming here, and the Eagles hammer them in the NFC Championship game and move on to the Super Bowl. Um, 888-729-9494, pound 9494 in your AT&T. And Verizon Cell. We're talking a lot about the Eagles and and this game tomorrow and how it sets up. You know, and, and I was just talking to, to, to someone here who's, who's down here from Lancaster, Dan, who's here at the Borgata, and, you know, we're talking, hey, they, they have to win tomorrow. Well, yeah, they do have to win. There's no doubt that this is a game that if you lose, in my estimation, you're not going to the postseason. You win, you're, you can get yourself righted. Doesn't, it's no guarantee, but you can at least get yourself righted before the bye at 4-4. Four and four. You go into that bye and have two weeks to stew on this thing at 3-5, and five, coming off a couple of awful losses. I'm not sure they recover from that. But the issue with the Eagles, and it's you know, really it's multifaceted here, but the problem is I don't know what the identity is. You know, last year the defense was pretty damn consistent week in and week out. Good, solid. If you look at the defensive numbers this year, they're, I'm talking about points per game. They're not all that far off. That's the thing. It just seems like it because there's been a couple of late-game collapses like last week that the defense is way worse than it was last year. It's really not. The offense is where the issue is. I mean, they're scoring almost a touchdown less per game than they did last year. Now, you thought going into the season, all right, well, Nick Foles is streaky. You're not quite sure exactly what you're going to get from him as the season started. And he was, he was just okay, right? Carson Wentz, you said to yourself, I know the guy's a stud, but he's coming off of an LCL and an ACL. It's going to take him a while. Carson's come back, I think, relatively smoothly. Like, he's not quite himself, and he won't be the entire year. But it's not like you're seeing a guy out there who's a shell of himself. I think with Carson, maybe some of it is the decision-making. Of course, last week is, is a prime example of that, where he doesn't just dump the ball off to Wendell Smallwood in the flat. But it's beyond Carson here. The offensive line, which is relatively healthy, we know Jason Peters is playing somewhat hurt, but other than Wisniewski being benched for Sayamalu, this is basically the same unit. 
but they're not nearly as good. They really miss a speed threat, but there are other guys who aren't playing as well. Lane Johnson, yes, he's hurt, but he's not playing as well. Nelson Aguilar, I mean, that's a real mystery of what's happening with him this year. And they haven't been able to get any kind of consistent running game going, and that's why I talk about, you know, last year they were able to overcome some of these things injury-wise. Jay Ajayi and Rodney McLeod appear to be pretty, pretty big blows, as well as Mike Wallace. So then that brings us to the question of what happens at the trade deadline. So we're three days away. Halloween Eve, October 30th, is the NFL trade deadline. And I think it's pretty apparent with the fact that they haven't pulled the trigger yet on a move what this comes down to. This comes down to whether the Eagles win this game or not. If they win, absolutely I think Howie Roseman is all in making a move. If they lose, I think if he does anything, it's going to be of the very, very minor facet. I don't think it's going to be a major move. If they win, then I think it's splashy. I think that's what this comes down to. That's another part of this game tomorrow. Let's get Mitch in East Windsor up here. Mitch, you're on 94 WIP. What's going on, Mitch? How's it going? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Mitch. Yeah, I hope things are good. Um, I hope to see Cody Kessler in that game tomorrow morning. That would be a good sign. Yes, that would very be a good, good sign. I agree with you. Nelson is, uh, is MIA. This is very disappointing. A lot of these guys in the USC disappointed. Why I call for um, the Dodgers. He overmanages. I can't stand his righty lefty business. Um, I, you know, LeBron doesn't um, platoon. Dan Marino wasn't platoon. It's just ridiculous. If you're a good major league player, you play every game, righty or lefty. Yeah. He's born, uh, Jensen too early, right in eighth inning. Uh, Pedro, either keep Bueller in and walk Bueller in lower, or Pedro, he, he's been phenomenal the last two months, Pedro Baez. Thinking Jensen can get a six, uh, six out. And one more thing, I hope the Dodgers sign of Harper instead of that, that mutt you said, um, Machado, yeah. because they got Corey Seager coming back next year. Yeah. And we can use another outfielder, I, I think. I, uh, agree, I agree. He's a, he's a hot dog. Yeah, that to me, thanks, Mitch. You know, that, that display, we've seen it really all series and in the playoffs, that's for sure. And this goes back to his Baltimore days. It's just the fact that a lot of people didn't pick up on it because the, the Orioles, for the most part, during his tenure, not all years, but for the most part, were a bad team. And he's playing in the AL. You know, the thing with the Dodgers is you can criticize them, but they're playing in game four of the World Series. It, it's worked for them. And if you want to you want to take a look at the prototype analytics, like the way that the Phillies and Gabe Kapler want to run this team, it's the Dodgers. Now, does it, does it frustrate me? Would it frustrate me as a Dodgers fan not to have Cody Bellinger or Muncie or some of the left-handed bats playing even against left-handed pitching starting pitching yeah it would frustrate me to an extent it would and maybe that's the old school guy and me coming out whatever those guys are too good not to have them on the field and or in the lineup but it's worked for them as much as you may not like it it's worked for them all year to get them to this point and i'm telling you that's what the phillies want to do but the problem with the phillies approach versus the dodgers approach la has the players to be able to do it. The Phillies don't. When the Phillies have the players, this may work a lot better than it has. I mean, a lot of this is out of necessity for Gabe Kapler to sort of piecemeal lineups together because they just don't have the talent. The Dodgers are a far, and I'm not, I'm stating the obvious here, but are a far more talented team. Therefore, 
it works a lot better than it would with the Phillies. 888-729-9494, pound nine four nine four on your AT&T and Verizon cell. Absolutely, unequivocally must win tomorrow. If they don't, they will not make the playoffs, and this will be a vastly different Eagles team that you will see in 2019 than you're seeing right now in A-team. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Sixers. If you were up to watch the end of that World Series game that ended at 3.30, we'll continue that, and as I promised, we'll get into scariest Philadelphia sports scenario when we get back. I'm Rob Ellis. I'm coming to you live from Borgata in AC, sitting in for Howard Eskin today. WFP Sports Time is 8.56. 9 o'clock hour. Good morning, everybody. I am Rob Ellis in for Howard Eskin, coming to you live from the Borgata Hotel and Casino. Howard is in London preparing for tomorrow's game. And as you've been under a rock all week, comatose, whatever the case may be, 9.30 kickoff tomorrow morning from London. It'll be Howard sidelines along with Merrill and Mike with the call from London, and apparently pretty good uh, weather forecast we got from Howard a little bit earlier, who was headed to the dungeon this morning. I'm not making that up, by the way. He was headed to the dungeon in, uh, in London, but um, certainly better weather than we're experiencing here. So if anybody, I, mean, I know a lot of people, Saturday is a Saturday mornings are extremely busy for folks, whether that's running errands, whether that's going to sporting events for the kids, whatever the case may be. So be careful out there. When I came down... I came down this morning from Delaware County. I left about 5.30-ish. Actually, I, thankfully, you know, it was a lot of highway driving, not getting down here, clearly. But it was, it was a pretty good shape. I don't know how. I've been in here for a couple hours. But if you're out and about, just be careful. It's a lot of wind, a lot of rain, you know, wreaking havoc on the, uh, on the Delaware Valley. That's for sure. But I didn't think we'd be talking any baseball today. Um, but when you have a game that ends at 3.30 that goes 18 innings, a World Series game, uh, and the Dodgers win on a walk-off by Max Muncie, 3-2. to two. To get that series now to two games to one, Boston's lead. We, we have certainly discussed that, and we will continue to do so. Um, but we're naturally talking a lot of Eagles, because I don't think any of us thought we'd be at this point after seven games where we're saying must win, and that's not your usual hot take, sports talk, trying to get clicks kind of statement. It's very, very real. And I think if you don't think that this is a must-win, if you if you hope this team gets in the postseason, I really think you're kidding yourself. And, and you're still in the euphoria of last year where you're not paying attention to what's happening in, in the here and now. Um, we're going to be talking to Mark Lawrence coming up about 940 about the Eagles game in addition to a couple other college football and, uh, and pro football games tomorrow. But last night, and I actually timed this out perfectly at 7 o'clock, Took the family. We went to Terror Behind the Walls at the Eastern State Penitentiary in Fairmount. It was absolutely awesome. It was the first time I was there. It was great. It was scary. It was entertaining. It was really, really cool. And I, I would suggest it to anybody in the, in the Delaware Valley to, to, to check it out in the next couple days for sure. But that, along with Halloween being four days away, kind of got me to thinking about scary scenarios in Philadelphia sports. And maybe we'll throw this in as our side for the, uh, for the next hour. But t- I'm going to give you two scenarios. You tell me which one would be scarier. So the, the Eagles, we know how, how magical last year was, but Carson Wentz wasn't on the field. The scenario of Carson Wentz never being on the field as an Eagles quarterback and winning a Super Bowl, okay, which means either – he goes somewhere else and wins it, or they just don't win it for 
hopefully uh, not another 57 years. But the Wentz scenario, or we went through the entire Sixers tank slash process, and it never results in a championship. Which one, as a Philadelphia sports fan, would scare you more? No Wentz, Super Bowl as an Eagles QB on the field, or Sixers with Embiid, Simmons, and that crew going through all that we went through and not winning a championship. We'll throw that in as our side today. Let's go to Brian in Middletown. Brian, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, good morning, Rob. Always a pleasure talking with you, my brother. My pleasure, Brian. What's up, man? Yeah, well, regarding that question, I'll take that first. Clearly, for me, it would be the Sixers not reaping any benefit from the tanking. I mean, the thing is, obviously, the Eagles, we won a Super Bowl. So uh, we'll always have that. Uh, With respect to the Sixers, we obviously won one in 83, got back to another one in 01, and we really felt like we could put together the right team, we could compete again. So that would be an absolute nightmare. All right, we got one for the Sixers. I got, And I yep. hear you with the, the Eagles' logic that you got one. I just thought it would be a bummer if Wentz isn't on the field holding one up, but I hear you. Well, I mean, the, well, with with that, everything that, you went through with the Sixers, man, it, it, it better pay off. Exactly, and that allows me a segue into the Carson Wentz and Eagles. I mean, if, if this team doesn't make the playoffs this season with a very mediocre NFC East, I mean, as much accolades as we gave the team, rightly so, for winning the Super Bowl, this would be a disappointment. It would be a failure of a, for a season not to be able to get back into the playoffs, at least put yourself in a position to, to repeat as Super Bowl champions. I mean, you're going to really have to do some critical uh, analysis of what happened. And you can't just say it's just because of injuries, because every, every team is dealing with injuries. Sure. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing on a bum knee. I mean, the bottom line is, and I look at the, the two games that we lost against Tennessee, uh, and last week against Carolina. You know, look, I love Carson Wentz, but the reality is he had the ball in his hand in overtime against Tennessee and last week against Carolina at the, at the end of the game, a chance to win the game, you know, if you put the ball in the end zone. So, and I'm not going to say because he didn't do it, he's not a clutch player, but I will say this. And you look at all the great young quarterbacks, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goss, the Sean Watson. I mean, ultimately you got to get into the playoffs and you got to win playoff games. So it'll be interesting to see which of these young quarterbacks begins to win playoff games this year. Yeah, and it's been the old guard forever. I, I hear you. And I, I don't disagree with you about the, the, the two games you just pointed out. I, I completely agree with you. Carson's got to make that play. But I also, in the same breath, and I know you brought it up too, I think the he's not clutch now label is way premature too. Oh, it's I've, way I've premature. heard tons of that this week. And to me, I mean, my God, it's the same thing with Fultz. Can we, can we give these guys a little bit of a chance to, to, to get out there and prove these things either, either are legit or not, but you're right. And, and the thing is though, Brian, in this, especially in this sport, there, there are team collapses. And I think Sunday was a great example of that. I mean, really both sides, the offense completely shut down, and the defense, they had, think about this, they had to score Carolina three times, not just score field goals, Absolutely. touchdowns, and get a two-point conversion to, exactly. to pull off what they pulled off. It's amazing. One, one last thing, Rob, and I'll let you go with this. I appreciate the time. I mean, you, you look at what Houston did the other day, okay? Now, they lost the first three games. Now they won five in a row. Right. All right, we know, obviously, the Rams are seven and now. This is the point for the Eagles. It's time to string together wins now. Okay, it's time to, to stop the foolishness. Handle your business tomorrow. We have a bye. You come back home against Dallas, destroy Dallas, and then sort of take it from there. We haven't yep. won two games in a row all season. No, I, so, I mentioned this earlier, Brian. It, it better be, and thank you for the call, man. It, it better be rock bottom. If you being up at home where you dominated the previous season, if you being up 
17 nothing to a team that looked dead isn't rock bottom to you, then you have major, major problems on your hand. Well, like, it, 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 we'll see it on Sunday if that's the case. Don on a cell. Don, you're on 94 to BIP. Hey, Rob. How are you this morning? Don, I'm doing, you're great, doing man. great. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Filling in for the king. That's hard. I'm, uh, the, I'm, I'm like the emperor. He's the king. I'm the emperor. There you go. You like that? <laughs> I'm sure that'll, that'll play well next week when he comes back. Oh, yeah. He'll be thrilled uh, to hear that. <laughs> Uh, I got. I, I think you made this into a four for four call. Uh, I would be most disappointed if the Sixers didn't win it because that was terrible. What we went through right. with them tanking and the whole bit. Yeah. But that being aside, you know, I I, I think analytics in baseball is a self fulfilling prophecy. They, you know what, these guys go out. And, okay, you're not going to bat. You're a left-hander. You're not going to bat against left-handed pitchers. And guess what? The numbers never change. And they never change over time because you're following this philosophy that these are the numbers. And it's really it, – it makes it difficult to watch because you don't see guys grow. You don't see people develop. You don't see guys in baseball come from – like – Utley, what if Utley never batted against the left-handed pitcher? Right. No, I hear you. I okay. Hear you. Yeah. So, and I, I think there's a, a John, I think there's a, there's a range of just a taking it too far, taking it too much too much. Strength. And again, look, the Dodgers may very well win a World Series, and, and that would fly in the face of everything we're saying right now. But I I think to an extent, you, you got to go with your gut and your eyeballs more than Gabe did last year. That's all I would say about that. I, w- I would agree with that. So, and then I think the Eagles, you know, if you look at what they did, what we, what we, and I'm going to say we, because the fans went off into Los Angeles and really dominated that stadium. And this is not Jacksonville Stadium. This is a neutral stadium where we travel really well. I think the Eagles are going to have more support. They always play better with us. I know. You know, the defense last week, there was a shutout to the, to the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they learned something coming out of Carolina that you can't fall asleep. But I, I, think, the, uh, I think the Eagles have a really good shot because I think the defense is really going to play well. Well, they, they should. Look, I, I mean, Blake Bortles is a mess. They yanked him last week for Cody Kessler, who's just a guy. Marone is on record saying he's got a short leash. They don't have a ton of weapons. I mean, this should be a game where Jim Schwartz's crew can really step up here. I mean, this, this, is, this is set up nicely. But I'm saying all that, Don. I, I feel like I've said this. This has been, been my, you know, my speech before a lot of these games this year. And then all of a sudden, it, it doesn't go by script at all. So they need no. to prove it. This is a prove-it game, big time. Yes, I, th- I, I think you're right. Yep. And then I'll make it the four for four. I want to get your opinion. Are we watching a Dave Hackstall death, death march? Um, I, I think that if this continues into about, uh, I would say, and Don, thank you, into about midseason, then yes. The problem is Ron Hextall went out on a limb to hire him. You know, he went unconventional. He went out of the box a little bit with a college coach. We've seen it now done, you know, in other places in the NHL. But it, at that point in time, it was really out of the box, which 
I, I guess you could draw a parallel to the Phillies. Klintak went out of the box a little bit with Kapler, considering his the, the lack of managerial experience. I think he had one year in the minor leagues, but that was it. Um, but, you know, I, I think that buys, my point is, I think that buys Hackstall a little bit more leash than maybe if this was just some sort of retread or guy who had been around or paid his dues, so to speak, in the NHL a little bit more. Hackstall was a player in the NHL, but he hadn't coached in the NHL. So my, my, my long way of answering that is I think he's got a little bit more time than some would in the same position with the lack of success. That said, if this still looks this way where it's mediocre to bad come uh, December-ish, then I think he could see a move made. Absolutely. Let's go to Doug in Connecticut. Doug, you're on 94 WIP. What's up, Doug? Hey, what's going on? I just got uh, three quick comments, and uh, feel free to respond to any of these. I think tomorrow's game, over the past maybe two years, I don't think we've done that well against mobile quarterbacks. Cam Newton, you know, I think we've played pretty well against him the last two years, but Russell Wilson really really beat us up, and I, I know Blake Bortles is what he is, but um, it's just I'm getting tired, of, you know, this whole week listening to guys say that, you know, they I know they got limited weapons. The Jags are who they are, and I guess their offensive line is a little banged up, but I hope we can get to Blake Bortles, tackle him when, when he's there, mm-hmm. um, and they don't get any broken plays because – D.D. Westbrook's pretty fast. Uh, you know, Keelan Cole's okay, and I think they got Moncrief. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not I don't telling know. You, they're, I'm not telling you they're totally bereft of weapons, but but this should be. This is not a, a quality offensive team. I'm, I'm, my only point is this should be a game where the Eagles' defense, you know, finally puts their foot down and plays a complete game. They played three quarters last week, but guess what? Yeah. You play 60, you don't play 45. So they, they need to come up with a big effort. I, I think it was Howard who touched on it a little bit earlier. They're not creating nearly enough turnovers. Blake Bortles yeah. is an interception machine. They should yeah. be able to get some picks on him. Yeah, and they're only averaging, what, like nine points a game or something like that. They're bad. So, yeah, I mean, they, they're bad offensively. They're bad. Yeah. The other things are, what does Doug Peterson do? Let's say he gets to the end of the year, and he realizes he's looking in the mirror and says, you know what, I just wasn't as good without Filippo and Frank Reich. What does he do? I mean, does he have the – the guts to just say, I need some more help for, you know, <laughs> it's an excellent plays. question. No, Doug, it's a great question. I mean, because, and I pointed this out on several occasions, the, the, I think one of the biggest downfalls of Andy Reid was replacing guys who left. You know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you have a successful program, that's going to happen. John Harbaugh is going to leave, right? Leslie Fra- Frazier is going to leave. Ron Rivera is going to leave. Uh, Frank Reich is going to leave. John Filippo is going to leave. The question is, how do you replace those guys? And... I think the jury is out very much right now on, on a Mike Rowe and, and Press Taylor. A- again, yeah. is that unfair a little bit after seven games? Yeah, probably. But if, if it looks this choppy at the end of the year, then I think you have to look long and hard at, at maybe doing something. And that might sound drastic after one year, but you don't have time to waste in this league. I mean, you yeah. really don't. It, it's, not, it's not four or five years. Four or five years, and, it's, and even if you want a Super Bowl, it's going to cost you your job. So I think you Doug also has to look at himself, too. I mean, he doesn't get off the hook completely either. I don't think you can waste Carson's career. I, if it was me, I'd be honest and say, listen, I, I need some more, some more, some guys back there with a little more offensive experience, some guys that we can design some plays in the weeks before the game just to really – I mean, I, I remember lots of plays last year. They're just, you know, plays to Alshon that, are, that were just different. We're just not running those different plays yeah. that, 
you know, are, are getting the guys in space. And it, lastly, it, do, it doesn't appear as creative. Like I know a lot of people want to get hung up on, on run pass and all that. And there, there's a point to be made certainly at the end of that Carolina game, but I just, yeah. I don't see the same kind of creativity that we saw last year. Yeah. Lastly, what do you think of, of a guy like Terrell Pryor? You know, if he's healthy, I, I think getting someone, I would love to see us get a cornerback. I really would. As much as you hear Ike Reese say, you know, the, the game's changing and, Getting a corner may not be as important. I know we got to outscore a team. You got to. But, you know, I'm a 39-year-old guy. Like, I was raised on Eagles defense. I want to see our defense, you know, perform as similar to the Ravens are doing this year as, as possible. Um, you know, I would love to take a flyer on someone that isn't going to cost us much, you know, maybe on the offense. And maybe, I don't know, if the Raiders are willing to give up Conley, for a second round pick and I don't think they are. Right. You know, get someone in the secondary that might help this year, but obviously we uh, got financial issues, yeah. I got you. Got to run, Doug. Thanks. Here's the thing. If you're if you're looking at this and your your point of view on grabbing a Terrell Pryor is, "Hey, it's not costing me anything. Let me take a shot and take a look at it." Yeah, okay. But I mean, ultimately, they need a burner. And I, and I'm not saying they're easy to acquire either. But I'm just telling you, if you're asking me what the greatest need is, they need somebody on the outside who can get down the field and open things up for Nelson Aguilar underneath a little bit more. They don't have that. I mean, the, the, as strange as it sounds, the Wallace injury was big. I mean, even if you look back at last year, like Torrey Smith's production wasn't great in the regular season. Far from it. But it wasn't just the balls that he caught. It was the attraction that he brought with the speed down the field and, and, and what it did to open up things underneath, that's what the, what, how big a role that he played. And they thought they had that and even an upgrade with Mike Wallace. And then Wallace goes down, and they don't really have that other guy. We haven't seen Mac Collins at all. He's been banged up all season. So that element is really missing. As far as a corner goes, you know, when Patrick Peterson was being talked about, of course, when you're talking about a player that caliber, that isn't going to be a free agent at the end of the year, you have to think about it, no question. And the way the Eagles' corners have played, all the more reason you think about it. But I am of the, of the belief and the school of thought that you outscore teams in this league. And if you can do something, and that's why I would not be opposed to a Le'Veon Bell, depending what the asking price is, just to try to outshoot teams. Again, they're scoring almost a touchdown less per, per game or, or this whole season than they did last year. That's a big deal in this league. And think about what you're going to – let's say the Eagles do right the ship and get into the playoffs. Two of the teams you're going to have to go against, and we're going to see them in the regular season at, on the road at their place, are the Rams and the Saints. And you are not going to win a 17-13 game against those teams. I'm telling you right now, you're not. You're going to have to put up possibly 31, 35 points. And right now, the Eagles aren't capable of that. So they need help. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. We're talking Eagles and must win, absolutely unequivocally must win game. And scarier Philadelphia sports scenario. We went through the entire tank, and the Sixers don't win a championship with this group. Or Carson Wentz is not the one on the field hoisting the Lombardi trophy, which is scarier. I'm Rob Ellis. We're coming to you live from the Borgata. We'll continue with your phone calls. WIP Sports Time is 920. Back on this Saturday morning, Rob Ellis in for Howard Eskin. We are at the Borgata Hotel and Casino. You, you get, it's a real melting pot 
here at the Borgata. I just had uh, a Cowboys weasel walk past. Thankfully, he just kept going. Uh, we had a Red Sox fan. who She was she was very happy. Up two games. Like, Go Sox. And then we just had a Cleveland Browns fan, believe it or not, who uh, I gave my condolences to for the last 20 years. So he, he just walked past. But actually, I think they're heading the right direction, the Browns. They've had some brutal losses this year. But they got to get rid of that head coach. Hey, we do remind everybody, um, tickets available for both of tonight's show. You can get your tickets at Borgata Box Office or TheBorgata.com. you got Jim Jeffries playing the event center, comedian, as well as Jess Hilarious at the Music Box. So you got Jeffries and Hilarious tonight. You go to the Borgata's Box Office or TheBorgata.com. we got you till 10 o'clock, and, of course, then it will be Glenn Macnow, and Ray Didinger. And we're talking a lot of Eagles naturally, as you would expect. Kickoff, by the way, 24 hours and two minutes, but who's counting on a game that they absolutely have to have? We've also talked some World Series. The game ended literally six hours ago as the Dodgers had a walk-off with Max Muncy and some Sixers as well. And in in the vein of Halloween and, and my visit to the uh, terror behind the walls last night, Eastern State Penitentiary, scarier scenario. Carson Wentz never hoisting that Lombardi trophy as an Eagles quarterback or the Sixers with Embiid and Wentz and having gone through the process, not seeing it come to fruition, winning a championship. Let's go to Matt in Swedesboro. Matt, you're on 94 to BIP. Robbie E., you're the man. Matt, um, what's up, man? Always nice talking to a fellow Bomber grad. And uh, I just want to say, me and my buddy Fred Hugo hung out with you down in Chicago a couple of years ago on that uh, Great trip. That Philly's Notre Dame trip. Awesome, awesome. Uh, it was great. It was a Labor Day trip. We went to Notre Dame Temple, and then we went to the Phillies Cubs, uh, and it was it was absolutely the best. I appreciate it, Matt. Awesome, Robbie. Love hearing on the radio, pal. So, Robbie, I want to talk about um, how, as Eagles fans, we obviously are we're all worried about the um, the run game, but I think not only is it the dis- disproportionate run pass uh, play calling, but I feel like you need to go with one runner back. You need to pick one. Give him 15 or more carries a game. Giving these guys less than 10 carries uh, a game and, you know, give them two carries this, this drive and then bench them and then have the next guy come in, you got to get one get into a groove. I mean, the offensive line plays, obviously, you know, what's going on with that? But I think you need, we need to pick one, let them do his thing, and see what happens, you know. All right, two, qu- two questions for you, though, off of that. Do, do you feel yep. like either Smallwood or Clement, the way that he's played this year, either one of those guys are up for that kind of role? I mean, at this point, Robbie, we, we don't know because no one actually had it. I, I think uh, it was Clement, I believe, uh, in game three or game two. I can't remember exactly. He had, I think, or I think he had like 51 carries or, or 50 or 51 yards, excuse me. Yeah. And I think he had about 16 carries or whatever. Listen, I understand that it's, you know, the, the yards per carry, you know, they're probably not yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, that's three, three and change per carry, which isn't going to get it done. I, I don't know, Matt. I mean, I hear you with that. But Clement, whether he's hurt or not, I put him in the same category as Nelson Aguilar. They've both had very disappointing seasons so far. And sure. I, I mean, Smallwood, when given the opportunity, has done a nice job running the ball, but he's very limited in, in terms of the passing game. He's limited in terms of pass protection, too. But, Robbie, do you think that going with three different backs, do you think that's the answer? I mean, it's not. I mean, we've we got to try something new here. And I just want to say one more thing about – I know we all want to get that Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson and whatnot. Yep. But my, my, my fear at Le'Veon Bell is we get him here, we, we pay him his money for the year, he plays two or three games, shows the NFL, look, look what I can do. 
pay me. Oh, what do you know? My jam finger hurts. I'm yeah. a, I can't play the valid. rest of the season. I, look, you know? Matt, totally valid concern with Bell. And, and it has to mm-hmm. be pointed out. And thanks, brother. Go Friars. You got it, man. It has to be pointed out that that's a real consideration here. Like, best-case scenario, you look at it, you can get him for the cheap because Pittsburgh wants to get something in return for him because it's, it's you know, going off the rails there. And he comes in, he plays really hard, and he's the difference maker for you on offense because he is that kind of dynamic player. Worst-case scenario is he gets in here, yeah, he plays a little bit. If he's got a, a hangnail, he's worried about his long-term longevity. That's why he hasn't played the entire season because he doesn't want to get hurt. So he could maybe come here and take that same approach where, yeah, he's dressed, but, oh, man, my hamstring. You know, that is a real, real issue here with Le'Veon that has to be taken into account. And I and Matt's right about that. Let's go to James in southwest Philly. James, you're on 94 WIP. James. All right, let's go to Mike in King of Prussia. Mike, what's going on? Hello. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good, man. Um, I'm sorry. I my phone was being weird. I I just wanted to say uh, both scenarios are equally scary, but I think the Sixers one is the more likely one because they've botched so many NBA drafts that they so many so many of these drafts they've botched, and you know this trading away uh, a first round an extra first round pick to get a basically a bum who can't play, and and then. I'm not really impressed with uh, – I know Simmons can do triple-doubles all day long, but he can't shoot to save his life. And Embiid is the softest center I've ever seen in my life. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I honestly think that this but, is hey, going to work out. Mike, Mike, first of all, there, you, you made three ridiculous statements. Let, let's start with I the first know. one. Well, let's start I'll, with the first one. Fultz, is a, Fultz is a bum. Yes. I mean, it's way, way too early to pronounce him a I number think, two. I think the number two, really on the wall. Number two to just throw out there. Oh, he's a triple double machine, but who cares? I mean, come on, man. And Embiid soft. Point, how, how, many, how many? How many? soft centers have you seen? Because if you think Embiid soft, you haven't seen a whole lot of soft centers. You well, have no I'm sorry, idea what you're looking. Embiid wants to play on the on the wing and, and throw three pointers, but. He's, uh, when he can easily just pound in the paint and live there, but he doesn't do that. Yeah, yet so somehow I'm, he's scoring almost 30 points a game. I'm sorry. Indeed, I, I'm is, that, is that by accident? Gonna, this team is not going to win a championship as, as you're, they are together. You're clearly a Sixers hater, clearly. No, I'm not. I'm actually a Sixers Then, then the you, have no idea what, you have no idea about basketball. No, I, I think you're not paying attention then. I know. I'm not. You're right. You're right. We're going to gloss over triple doubles and Embiid is soft, but I'm, well, not, I'm, sorry, but I'm the one not paying attention. A freaking shot. I right. mean, you can tell me that Ben right. Simmons is a good player? Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you he's a good player. That's exactly what I'm going to tell you. Well, then show me some shots. Take a freaking uh, shot. How many points is he scoring? What, how, how is he affecting what? games by, by assists and rebounds? It, Matt, Mike, you have no idea what you're looking at. I will just tell you, you need to go back to school or start right, watching well, basketball I'll see you in five years because you're clueless. A title because you're clueless. These players are so great. I'll I didn't. I didn't tell you anybody was great. What I told you was for you to say Embiid is soft. For you to tell me all you're looking at with Simmons is he can't shoot. Yeah. Do you? Do you, does he need to develop that dimension of his game? No question. But for you to just gloss over the impact that he has, taking a defensive board pushing the ball, distributing or finishing himself. Let me put it to you this way. They know he can't shoot, and he still gets to the rim. Okay? And the, and the false thing is just ridiculous. Like, he may turn out to be a bust. I'm not going to argue that part of it. But to say it this soon, 0 for 3, brother. 0 for 3. Let's go to Lamar 
in Philly. Lamar, you're on 94 to VIP. Yeah, what's up, Rob? How you doing today, Rob? Hey, Lamar, how are you, man? Uh, not too bad. I uh, I kind of get annoyed when I hear guys, especially guys that have value their opinions like yours and a few other guys, when they basically bash or not even bash, just downplay the play of certain players. I feel like Nelson Aguilar being that player, I kind of feel like Wentz, has the same issue that a lot of the uh, quarterbacks that has mobile capabilities have. They don't always go through all their reads, and that's exactly the fact, exactly why we lost to Carolina. You had uh, Nelson open on a play as well as Smallwood. He he hit neither. And I think that's more of an issue than Aguilar not being open. His numbers are down because that's like Wentz just misses them. Yeah, but but it's interesting, though, Lamar. Before Wentz got hurt, those two were on the same page. So he was, if anything, Wentz was more mobile last year and Nelson was thriving. So why is it suddenly now that Wentz isn't looking for him? I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Well, well I feel like now, I, I, not, that, not that I'm pretty sure you don't pay the Bucks any attention, same way I don't pay the Bucks any attention, but just to use them for an example, before uh, James Winston, Deshaun Jackson was lighting it up. Now he's up for trade. Winston comes back, he only looks for one person who's his number, uh, who's Mike, Mike, uh, whoever the receiver Evans, is. Evans. Mike Evans. And I feel like with Winston, the same thing. And I feel like a lot of the quarterbacks that has the mobile capability don't always go to their yeah, but reads. Lamar, he's not, he's not even as mobile this year because of the leg injury. Like, he's not. And I, I've always considered Carson someone who will try to buy some time with his legs to make a pass, but he can take off and run, no doubt. But yeah, he has, he's, he's he has le- played the Houdini thing a couple times. And right, but he's more hesitant, though. Lamar, but just to your point, he's more hesitant to run this year, which would make you think he is trying. And I, I'll grant you the, the, that, that sequence at the end of the game, no doubt. But I'm just saying as, as a general thought, I, I don't know if I buy that he's not looking for Aguilar as much. Well, I'll ask you this in finishing. Uh, when it comes to Wentz, why do, why do I hear Wentz? Why do I hear uh, consistently people say, well, he don't have any weapons? you got to go out and get a weapon. Donovan went to five NFC championships with no weapons. The one year he got weapons, he went to the Super Bowl, which is Terrell Owens. I don't give Wentz a pass for that. Yeah, I, I don't th- I, I'm not one who says he has no weapons. I, I would just tell you, I think the team in general misses a speed element. As good as Jeff, and Jeffrey's been awesome since he's come back. And I really ne- like Nelson. I'm just disappointed the way it's gone this year. They don't have that speed element. I think that's hurting the team. I, I don't I think it's an agree. excuse for Wentz. But, yeah, I hear you. Right, Lamar, thanks, brother. All right, man, you got it. Let's get Tom in here in the Northeast. Tom, you're on 94 WIP. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to say thanks for standing in for Howard uh, this morning. Thank and you, uh, I, had a, I had a question about uh, Doug Peterson saying the pressure's off. Uh, I personally think the pressure's on, first, for a playoff spot, and second, for the fan base. You know, we want wins, you know. And then earlier you're talking about, yeah, this is a must-win this Sunday. Now, if the pressure's off, how are we all of a sudden in a situation with a must win? You know what I mean? It's not. I mean, I, I don't know what Doug's angle is you know, for twofold. One, with what you just said, it's absolutely turned up. I mean, after this week, if they lose, it might be off because the season's off. But the pressure is absolutely, as we sit here right now, on number one. Number two, what does that say about your team that you feel the need to say that? Are they not capable of handling the pressure? They look like a team last year that could handle any circumstance. I found the whole thing, that whole, I think Doug's had a bad week in general. And I don't agree with what he said about the pressure being off. But I think he's had a bad week in general and not a great year overall. 
Yeah, I agree with you. You know what I mean? And and I don't blame, you know, all the pressure don't go to him because, one, to me, he's not on the field playing. It's the players. Now, did the players lose that, you know, uh, what do you want to say, that edge, magic? The, the edge. The edge. The are, edge are they as right. hungry as they were? That, that's, a, that's the question. Are they as hungry as they were last year? Exactly. You yeah. know, and uh, as a fan base, you know, put it this way. We've been through so many losing years that uh, on a Sunday, you know, we enjoy watching the Eagles, and it makes a week almost that much better when they win. <laughs> yeah, and that's the tough thing about football is, and, and, and Tom, i got to run, but thanks, man. The tough thing about football is you play once a week, so the thrill of victory is great. You can bask in it for, for six days, but when you lose, it sucks. You know, I mean, we were on an unbelievable run last year in general. The only fear was the injuries and whether that was going to take them down. It wasn't the play on the field. Eagles played great last year, regular season and postseason. It was a, it was incredible. But, you know, we've, we're back to reality a little bit. All right, quick timeout. We'll come back and try to sneak in a couple more phone calls. We also have Mark Lawrence. He will give us our college football and NFL selections when we get back. I'm Rob Ellis. We're coming live from the Borgata in Atlantic City. WIP Sports Time is 940. Oh, yeah, it is that time, baby. Welcome back, everybody. Rob Ellis in for Howard Eskin. Coming to be live from the Borgata, 94 WIP. Joining us right now, the one and only, you hear him each and every Saturday here with Howard. That would be Mark Lawrence from Playbook.com. Mark, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing terrific, Rob. How are you doing this weekend? Uh, Mark, I'm great, man. So I, I'm ready. I need to be informed, man. There, there's some, there's some <laughs> a, a really appealing games on the card, college and pro. Let's start with a couple games you're looking at from a college standpoint. Uh, you know, from the college side, uh, I'm going to play what they call the revenge card today, Rob. And these are two teams that have major revenge against their opponents who I think could be a little bit vulnerable. The first is going to be the Florida Gators taking six and a half points against Georgia and Georgia being vulnerable from the standpoint they are in what I would call a bubble burst situation where they had their perfect season ruined in their last game. And you'll oftentimes find teams that have just that come really flat the next game. It's really difficult to get back up off the mat. And Florida got beat 42-7 to last year against Georgia, so you know they'll have their attention here. So the first of those two plays this week are going to be Florida plus the 6.5 points against Georgia. The other game is going to be out west. We're going to play Navy against Notre Dame. Uh, Yeah, one of Howard's favorite anti-go-against teams, Notre Dame. I know he's not a big fan of theirs. But the bottom line here is Notre Dame, undefeated as they are, uh, they're beginning to feel this noose getting tighter and tighter, uh, these undefeated teams, as as you approach November here. But what really works difficult against these teams is when they have a week of rest off, and they're undefeated. That rest is almost rust. It breaks momentum for a lot of football teams. They're going to go play Navy out in San Diego, which is where the Naval uh, base is stationed there. So there's going to be a ton of Navy fans in this football game here. And uh, their coach, Kenny uh, Niamatololo, has been terrific in his career as a, a road underdog of more than 10 points. So I think Navy's going to battle Notre Dame a lot closer than the Vegas oddsmakers expect today. I'll play Navy plus the 24 points against Notre Dame today as well. That's a big number. You watched Notre Dame kind of struggle against a not great Pittsburgh team, and you're right about the San Diego thing. I mean, that's essentially a – Notre Dame people travel well, but that's essentially a home game for Navy. 
For sure it is. Uh, you know, the, the Coronado's at uh, that base out there, and uh, like you say, it's going to be a home away from home for Navy in the football game, so we'll see whether or not that will help their their chances here tonight. Mark, let me throw one more college game and then sure. we'll jump over to the pros. A lot of people in this area, obviously, Iowa, Penn State. What, what do you think about that one? Well, I think this is going to be a real guarded game for Penn State here. There's a football team whose uh, wheels have come off here of late, and, uh, you know, especially at home in Happy Valley where they've blown two fourth-quarter leads in football games. And they're taking on a pretty tough customer here in Iowa today. Iowa ranks third overall in the nation in total team defense and second in rush defense. And the reason I'm bringing that up is the last time that Penn State took on a team that had those same credentials, a top-five-ranked defense and a top-five-ranked rush defense, it was against Michigan State, who they really struggled against. So I think this is going to be a true test for Penn State. If I play this game, and have to play Iowa plus the points and make Penn State prove to me that they are back on track in this football game. All right, Mark Lawrence joining us. Mark, let's jump over to the pro side. Can I hit you with one first? Uh, the, sure. The, the heavy sure. underdog role for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, it, it depends where you shop here, eight, eight and a half, uh, probably the biggest is, is his career as a starting quarterback there, right? Well, you know, actually one time he took 14 points in a game, if you can believe it, back wow. against, New, against New England, uh, you know, when the Patriots were flying and the Green Bay Packers were struggling. But, you know, the bottom line is his career, he's only been an underdog of six or more points four times is all, and he's managed to beat the point spread in all four of those football games. And I think what works in the Packers' favor here in this game is, one, they have an extra week to get ready for this high-flying Ram football team. And two, he's got all of his wide receivers healthy for the first time all season in this football game here. So I believe you're going to see a playoff atmosphere in this game here. This could be a possible playoff preview between these two teams. I think you've got to gobble up all those points with Green Bay against the Rams on Sunday. No question about it. I'll hit you with two other ones before we get to the Eagles. Ravens-Panthers, what are you thinking there? Well, you know, there was a little bit of a crossover in the favorite in the football game. Uh, actually, it opened up Carolina minus one, and it went quickly to Baltimore minus one and now minus two. Uh, the, the Sharps in Vegas are betting Baltimore, and I think for a lot of the right good reasons here. Well, number one, uh, Carolina played a real physical game, if you will, uh, in that last contest and uh, against the Eagles, and also they have a lot of injuries as a result of that. Baltimore's defense is rock tough. I mean, rock as tough as nails. Uh, I think they're the better team here right now, and uh, I think I'm going to play Baltimore. I think the move was right with Vegas. I'll follow the Sharps on that game. All right. Perhaps the, the most intriguing game of the week would be the Sunday night game with the Saints and the Vikings, that matchup, that rematch of the NFL divisional round, which ended in, in the craziest of fashions. What do you think of that one? Well, you know, there's two sides of this coin here. Number one, uh, you have a New Orleans football team playing as good as anybody in the league right now. And number two, this massive revenge from that Minnesota miracle last year, which denied them a chance to play in the NFC title game against the Eagles. So, you know, New Orleans has this game circled in lipstick, okay? This is the game they want more than any other game of the season. But the problem here is you're paying a price for all of that because Vegas knows it. They know which way the fans are going to go in this game. And you're going to only have to play the game at Pickham. Last year when New Orleans went into Minnesota and lost that game, they were a five-point underdog. So you're paying a price in the odds in the game. But nonetheless, I still like New Orleans in the contest here. Drew Brees is at his absolute best in the month of October and especially against opponents off a win. I think New Orleans will get their revenge against Minnesota Sunday night. All right, it's about that time, Mark. The big one in this city, that's for sure. We're going to know very early how this plays out for the Eagles. In my opinion, a game they have to win if they think they're going to make the postseason. But the Eagles play at 930 tomorrow 
in London, kickoff against the Jags, three, three and a half, depending where you're looking. Jags, of course, very familiar with the terrain there in London. How big an advantage is that, and what do you think in that game? Well, I think it is a big advantage for Jacksonville, you know, having been there five times more than any team in the National Football League. They've won three in a row, all behind Blake Bortles. So those are all good uh, Jacksonville stats. The bottom line here, though, is that Jacksonville is also not playing well, just like the Eagles. These are two wounded teams going into the football contest, and the winner is going to probably be alive. The loser is probably going to put a nail in the coffin for the football team for the rest of the season here. So it's a huge game for both football teams. Now, I understand the word has it that uh, the Eagles have like 30,000 tickets sold. There's fans galore in, in London, the Philadelphia Eagles fans, which would be good for the Eagles because Jacksonville is basically the adopted home team in London for the National Football League, having been there so many times, and the owners from London themselves. So it'll be nice to see Eagles fans in support of Philadelphia in the contest here. Uh, I don't like chasing three or three-and-a-half points in the game here because the Eagles are not hitting on all cylinders. I see the Eagles winning this game, but I see this game coming down to who scores last in this game, Rob. And, you know, with that, I would say a Philadelphia win and perhaps a Jacksonville cover in the football game. Ooh, interesting. All right, Jags with the points, but Birds come away with it. Any, anything else jump out at you, Mark, before we wrap things up? Well, I would say I'm going to take a look at uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, also Sunday. Uh, they're coming home from London. You know, they obviously have that extra week of rest to prepare in a football game like that. Uh, and you've got Russell Wilson absolutely outstanding in his career when he's an underdog with rest. He's been just terrific in that particular role. I think they're the better team than Detroit. I think I would play Seattle plus the points against Detroit for another play on Sunday. All right, Mark, where can people check out your, uh, your playbook, your weekly playbook? It's real easy, Rob. It's all available online at playbook.com. We've got three weekly newsletters, NFL totals games, uh, our weekly football newsletter, and our midweek alert statistical newsletter. Just check it out all online at playbook.com. All right, Mark, we know you're already a saint for having to deal with Howard every single week. So in addition (laughs) to your saintlyhood, we appreciate the picks, man. Great stuff. And uh, best of luck to everybody out there. And thanks for joining us. We'll, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Mark. Hey, Rob, I enjoyed being on with you this weekend. Best of luck with the Eagles this week. Thanks. Pleasure, man. Talk to you soon, Mark. All right, that'll wrap it up for us here from the Borgata. I want to thank Dave Breitmeyer doing a great job on site. And Phil Jackson, Phil the Thrill, back in the studio. Coming up, we have Glenn Macnow, Ray Dinger. They're coming to you live from Delaware Park racetrack casino everybody have a great saturday stay dry be safe on the roads i will talk to you monday after monday night football stay tuned for glenn and ray have a great day everybody wip sports time is 9 56 how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.